sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's up, everyone? Beer Engine podcast. Griff on the other end here. Uh, across from me and separated by some amount of space. I've forgotten how far it was. I think I said the amount of miles at one of these points in the show in the past, but you know how many it is. Just Google map it. It's the uh, season three star of Love Island, Australia. It's postponed because of COVID, but you guys will get to see him shirtless and hunking around the island. Uh, Tony, how you doing, my man? You know, I'm pretty good. I really think I would be a good competitor in Love Island. I think I could uh, maintain the no sex thing quite well. I think I would be near unstoppable. But could people resist me? That is the question. Too hot to handle. I think both of us might be great at too hot. I think both of us could kill it too hot to handle. Um, oh, you, oh, no one can fuck me? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what? What, uh, what will I do? And the women are just like looking at us like, uh, yeah, what are you going to do about that? As long as we have a decent beer, we should be right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'll just be getting drunk. The end. I was actually complaining about Love Island because these um, these fellows just could not, they just cannot, well, same with Too Hot to Handle, they just can't chill. Like you're on this beautiful island, you got the beach right in front of you, you're there for two weeks, and, you know, on Too Hot to Handle, you just have to not, screw on love island whatever you, you have to couple up with someone or not you get kicked whatever you know and just like take it easy and chit chat and they just have no chill to them they will not just hang out hey it's great out here maybe i'll just hang out for a while nope nope they're thinking about like oh you know maybe i should go home to my ex-girlfriend or whatever you're like come on dude you can't even just take it easy for a week in this place just Send me there, you know. I'm fat, I'm gross, you know. See, Too Hot to Handle has a game element to it. To me, Love Island is kind of just like a bad fever dream. And um, I, I can never figure out what's going on. It's just like, is this a game show? Is this a reality show? Is this completely fake? Is this just a dream? Love Island does have this, uh, like there is this British TV thing that, and maybe this is true in Australia that we don't really have here. Um, where there is just a, sh there are shows that, um, just are generating new episodes that run six days a week or five days a week. They just run every day. Um, we have weekly serials where stuff like if Love Island were a U.S. show, it would be on Mondays or something. You know what I mean? And you'd watch episode one Monday and then they'd do it for an hour and they'd play 13 of them. And then you'd go to season two. But I'm, I'm on Hulu and I'm looking at Love Island UK and I'm like, OK, season six has 50 episodes. What the hell is going on with this? Um, but yeah, it airs six times a week. So you just have to have content. This stuff has to happen like that was filmed and it doesn't have to be interesting and it doesn't even have to be good or it doesn't really have to even be canon. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to <laughs> tell a story or part of a story. It's just like uh, Mike talked to Leanne today and, you know, and oh, and then we dunked all of them in a big cup of tea, which did happen, by the way. Um <laughs> <laughs> so you're just like oh and and then it's over and then somebody said they cheated on their girlfriend nine times or something and i got shit okay um and 
And it's just, it just happens every, it's just something that's around. And I think the other thing that reminds me of that is come dine with me, which is just on and it doesn't <laughs> have any thread to it. It just happens every day, you know? Yep. It takes four days to film one come dine with me because each show is, is one person's home. Come dine with me. It's anybody that is listening to this program, Kelly, I'm looking at you, not, not your wife, Kelly, but I'm my friend, Kelly. If you haven't watched come dine with me, um, go and pirate it off somewhere. It's available on Foxtel. Um, it's a classic show, but it takes four episodes and they're four separate dinner parties and just cranking out content. Australia falls somewhere in between. We we do do a few of those shows. Our Master Chef is on four or five nights a week. Uh, I think it's, yeah. it's Sunday through Thursday. Same with... Um, My Kitchen Rules, when it was on, um, it's not looking like it's coming back because it turns out one of the hosts is a big uh, QAnon conspiracy theory guy. Um, <laughs> we have renovation shows where that, uh, that model applies to. The Block, I think, is almost a nightly show, which is a renovation show. There are other shows. Big Brother is one that's on right now that is on, I think, really? every it's night. It's on every day. Yep. Wow. We, we have the closest thing we have to something like that, I guess, is well, but it's not serial in 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 that nature is is stuff that appears on Food Network, I guess. You know what I mean? Where chopped and, and the Food Network maybe is actually the best example of this because the seasons don't make sense. Like none of the structure of the way Food Network or I think HGTV maybe has a little bit of this, too, or Travel Channel, the structure of the way like seasons quote unquote are talked about has no logical parallel to anything else in the u.s so there's like oh there's been 40 seasons of chopped and i'm like what the hell was the difference between them and when did one start or the other one end you know they don't last a year and i don't know how long they last and i don't know how many episodes are in one um, none of them have any sort of alignment to each other they don't even have any relationship to each other. Some have 40, some have 12, you know, what? who knows? It's, it's just like, it's just, it happens. Chopped happens a lot. You know what I mean? It's like it spontaneously appears and then, and then it happens the next day also some, at some point, you know, it's like, it's like old faithful or, or um, like a geyser, like the geysers in, um, in, in Iceland that happen every 20 minutes ish. And it just, Oh, there it is. You know, whatever. But you do have some serialised dramas that happen every day. You've got General Hospital. You've got Days of Our Lives. You've got Bold and the Beautiful. I'm oh, sure we got soaps, yeah. Yeah. Is that when stuff like this airs? Does Love Island, like, appear at, like, 2 p.m. or is it, no, like, a prime time? It's prime show? time. Big Brother's okay, prime yeah, time. I mean, all that stuff. It's like mom TV, you know, not to, not to, okay, I'm already bringing gender into this. I'm sorry, but you know, it, like general hospital and you know, the soaps are all, you know, it's your mom watched it and they could tell you, you know, Oh, the alien came today or whatever, you know, or when you're home from school, you're watching it and price is right. Stuff like that. All the, all the everyday TV happens between like 10 and two yep. pretty much. The yeah. only thing I would watch when I was home from school, and it's still something, if I can catch it on on cable these days, I will watch it. And I shouldn't. I know it's terrible. And I know she's she's loaded, so it doesn't affect anything. But I love me some Judge Judy. 
Well, yeah, you don't like Judge Judge what's her name? Janine Pirro or G what else? What is that lady's name? On Fox. The, uh, Judge the Trump, Janine. Trump lady. Yeah, yeah. I love her. She is great for you because she, how she became a superior judge or whatever the fuck she became um, is mind-blowing because I'm not in America. I don't consider myself a legal scholar. I have no legal training, but I think my legal mind is more sound than hers. And if I think back to the way the Australian legal system works, uh, well, there's only one comp I have for it, and I believe uh, it was a Simpsons episode and there's a boot or something. So There is a boot? Um, and you, We don't do that here. My question to you is, have you played Knifey Spoonie? Of course. <laughs> I'm an expert. <laughs> I probably played it more than anybody else in the world, in fact. That is a reference to that Simpsons episode when, when uh, somebody pulls a knife on Marge Simpson, which turns out not to be a knife. She pulls a spoon on them. It's on Bart and Lisa, the guy does. That's not a knife. That's a spoon. Uh, I see you've played knifey spoony before. They drink beer in that episode. They drink a giant. Homer gets a giant Fosters, and he's disappointed by it being only like mini keg sized. Um, I am drinking a weird beer. Also, uh, I didn't tell you this in our very long conversation we had that we didn't record for people. Sorry. Oh. Um, but uh, I'm drinking a beer that is literally the bright blue. And it was a beer we talked about a couple of weeks ago and I was reciting my Tavor order to the audience, which I'm sure everybody loved and enjoyed. Um, I'm drinking a, an evil twin beer that came out. Um, yeah, bright blue made with butterfly pea flower to make it blue. Have you heard of this stuff before? I have not. Is it like where they catch a whole heap of butterflies and then ground them up? Like they would to make uh, cochineal? Co- cochinita, like like the pig? No, c- cochineal, it's, it's, it's the red colour that you get in dyes. It's made from thousands and thousands of bugs that are, that are ground up to make like a cardinal's robes. That's the colour that cochineal makes. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. You're, you see, you're into the art. No, this is, um, this actually is in some other drinks here. It, they, uh, I think that some places actually put it in gin and make like a, a Tom Collins type drink. Um, and if you mix it kind of the right way, it will turn purple. Oh, um, sounds so I don't really know anything about this, this stuff, but it, uh, yeah, this beer is a blue raspberry. It's just a raspberry IPA that they put this stuff in. So it came out blue. Um, and it does taste really good. It tastes like a raspberry flavored, like Gatorade, essentially. It's just like, a, I could pound 50 of these things if it weren't 7% alcohol, um, which would get me into some trouble. That sounds delicious. If you were going to rate that sucker on untapped, give me like a paragraph, even if you have to go to Wikipedia and find out what happened on this day in history or this day specifically in punk music, music history. Yeah, do you want me to- <laughs> Uh, do you want me to describe uh, White Claw Raspberry to you or anything? Um, <laughs> and and then give us a star rating after you give us like a, a 255-character review. Uh, it tastes like a melted bomb pop, and um, it's uh, very sweet. Uh, it really bears no resemblance to IPA in any particular, even slightly reminiscent fashion and uh it's sweet and raspberry and yeah melted popsicle 
uh, tastes like a cocktail that you would drink in the summer. And I'm giving it a, uh, honestly, it's a four and a half for, for me. Cause I really enjoyed drinking it, even though it didn't bear a ton of resemblance to beer in any particular way. <laughs> well, this, this is a question that I've been struggling with and I, I don't think it's a particularly important question, but what the fuck does IPA mean today? Because we knew what it meant 10 years ago. It was a high strength, bitter, sort of um, steroided version of a pale ale, um, whatever that may be. Extremely hoppy, extremely bitter. Um, it, it, you could say that is an IPA and that is... You, you could give a signature taste to an IPA. You could say that... You know, Stone IPA, that's IPA. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or whatever. And now I think it's it's open. Uh, I think part of it was that IPA became phraseology for craft beer shitheads. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, you guys drinking your IPA. Nobody likes IPAs, you know? Um, so stuff just like fit into IPA all of a sudden. Yeah. And I think the brewery started jumping on that a little bit. That'd be my guess. I mean, this beer, I swear to God, I couldn't tell you hop one that is in this beer. Uh, no fucking clue. It tastes like, I, I swear to God, it tastes like, a. I don't know if you know what a bomb pop is, but it tastes like that. No, um, I don't know what a bomb pop is. It's, it's just a red, white, and blue popsicle. Okay. I mean, that's all it is. And they just, it just tastes like sweet. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. We call them like a rocket ship or something similar. Yeah, we've got them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yep. There's no lactose in this, you know, nothing like that. Um, what it has to do with IPA beats the hell out of me. Should I get mad about that? I Maybe, but I, I don't know. It is fun to drink it. I, I don't think you should get mad, but like Saison is a fairly wide style. It's, it's the next wider style that I know of. But IPA, it's it's become sort of a descriptor for for just this is a big flavored beer. It can be super sweet. Okay. Yeah. It can be super bitter. It can be super high alcohol. It can be session strength. We have session IPAs, which I would call highly mm-hmm. hot pale ales. Um, right. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a pale ale. And we can have sour IPAs. We can have Brett IPAs. We can have. Early hop IPAs where the hops go in early. We can have zero Farmhouse boil. IPA. Zero boil hop IPAs. Belgian IPA. Uh, there's there's a black IPA. You know, I mean, there's 1,000 variants of this, right? I, I, I would guess it's, I mean, I think for years now, I've been saying it's a, it's a marketing thing, right? I mean, it's, it's a way to get people who are, familiar with a certain style uh into the into the store you know what i mean into the into the aisle you know what i mean and you can put this next to the other evil twin beers that are maybe more traditional ipas you say well it's in the ipa category you know give it a shot um because you're probably going to end up like me with stuff like this and the hudson valley beers and and etc and you're going to say well, this is kind of like IPA, maybe. This one, I don't... Usually these sour IPAs, I can at least get some sort of hop off of. I'm not getting anything from this, but... Um, uh, hey, I'm not disappointed in it, and maybe they know that. You know, maybe they, they're like, you know what, people are going to like this. 
let's just get it so people will buy it. Because if I put it in fruited sour, I'm not sure that's a great description of it. And I'm not sure that I'll get the type of um, movement on it either, you know. Okay. Look, I'm, I, I don't want you to think that, hey, I'm mad that this descriptor is being used. But I just when I go, like when I'm when um, tap rooms are open and I, I go to a board or even in the grocery store when I go to the IPA section of the grocery store and I look in that aisle, I don't know what I, IPA is giving me anymore. I don't know what I'm going to get. I have to go and read the description if it says a fruity New England or hazy IPA. Okay, I, I can then sort of put it in a category, but just to say IPA has kind of lost all its value. It, it The group's so large, it can be so many things, and there's, there's nothing to be mad about. I don't get purists that say, this is not an IPA, it shouldn't be called an IPA. I, I was just questioning what value does it have for us trying to like decipher what this beer is before we open it. Yeah, that I can't tell you. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I don't think um, uh, pe- people are going to. Uh, I don't think purists are ever going to buy this beer, anyways. Would be, you know, would be my argument, right? They don't <laughs> care. So I think you, you would like this beer, Tony. I don't think you would complain about it or anything. I think um, if if I uh, there might, you know, maybe if we can get, and I've been asking him if we can get Yepe Yarnet Yepe Yarnet Bierso to come on to our podcast and I've been, I've been bugging him, you know, if he wants to come on and stand up for himself against these wild accusations that you and I are making <laughs> that this is not IPA. Uh, I invite him to come on and, and just tell me uh, what is the hop in it. Cause then I'll agree with him because I'm a big wimp and I'll just be like, Oh yeah, you're right. Yepi. Thank you. <laughs> you know, thank you for making it. I love you. Uh, and, you know, please keep putting Instagrams up of cool things and giving your beers crazy names. Um, I would love to have Yepi. I would love to have any person uh, who is brewed a beer other than you and me on this podcast. It'd be amazing. So it was good, Tony. You know, it's a long conversation about that, but it was tasty. I liked it. And maybe uh, I'll, uh, it was a special thing for Tavor. So I probably can never get it again, um, but it was good. Now, as you know, I've posted on our Beer Engine Instagram. If you want to give people the, the handle, they can go and have a look for themselves. Yep, uh, that is at Beer Engine Pod, gang. Take a look. I, I just put a great thing up today if you guys want to see my video of me bleaching all my cans of beer today. <laughs> well, I put up um, the four four packs that I got this week. I went a bit overboard. I often like you, just buy individual cans uh, today. After getting inspiration from this show, I'll be wandering down to my local IGA, Independent Grocers of Australia, which is different to what you guys have got in America, and I'll be having a look at what they've got new in stock. But one of the beers I actually ordered directly from the brewery, and it was a Deeds Brewing. It was the Quiet Deeds series, and it was... A, another sub-series off their, their Quiet Deeds label, and it was a Milk Bar series, strawberry with vanilla and lactose, and that was an Imperial Cream Sour. It looked really good, Tony. Um, so uh, I would say that we have uh, – we, we're getting a lot of this type of what, what I've been describing on this show, I believe, is like pastry sour, um, like lactose-laden, vanilla-laden sours. Um, so I was excited for you to get something like that. Um, I think texturally they're very unique. Uh, 
um, compared to sours that tend to be drier. Um, and, and maybe that's, maybe that's the value and like, maybe I think that's sort of where we are in beer right now, right? That's what hazy IPA or lactose IPAs or milkshake IPAs are kind of playing with the texture of beer, uh, uh hair. But, um, Tony, what'd you think of that? It looked delicious. Holy shit balls. It was good. Like it, <laughs> it was great. Yeah. It's everything I want. And like, it comes in a big can. It comes in like a, a 16 ounce can. I drank all that fucker by myself. It was delicious. Yep. yep. It, you're right with the mouthfeel. What's mouth the alcohol feel. on that? 7.7% 7 .7 alcohol. Yeah, that's a monster in Australia, right? That's a, that's a big that's a big beer. Yeah, our craft brewers are willing to push the envelope a little bit more. They're willing to, because people are willing to pay. This is, this is not a cheap beer. This is, without paying postage, over $11.50 a can. So this is not a cheap beer by any stretch. Really? What is that US? That's like seven or eight bucks. Yeah, probably... Seven fifty a can at the moment with the exchange rate the way it is, so not crazy by any stretch, but people yeah, are willing say to about eight bucks. Yeah, that's not that's not insane, but you know that's what I would pay on Tavor for a beer like this. Right, is you pay seven or eight bucks for a high for a for a beer that was made with a lot of fruit and vanilla and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I'm buying it by the four pack, so I am getting a price discount individually. They're probably pushing up to the thirteen to fifteen dollar range, but. People like me are willing to pay for it. So the craft brewers, the independent brewers, are still willing to put this stuff out and it has a market and people are buying it and they're willing to dive into their pockets for it. It's the formerly independent craft beers that are out there um, that aren't doing that and certainly our big macros that refuse to do that. So um, you, you'll rarely see a beer from um, our big brewers over... 5% because that's when the tax starts to kick up and so they that starts to cut into their profit and people aren't willing to pay for that beers and frankly I'm not willing to pay for beers from them but craft brewers that are putting out these really specialised beers like um, an imperial cream sour they will push the envelope you won't see IPAs or just plain old double old fashioned double IPAs up in that range but I was just looking on the Deeds website of other beers that they've got coming out because we all know I love a Lamington and they've got a pre-order for a double Lamington beer. And so that is, again, pushing up to 8.5% Imperial Brown Ale. So they're not afraid that of sounds alcohol. sounds good. Yeah. Yep. And they're using – I was just having a look at the descriptor and this is like a completely inside – um, big eat kind of thing. It's an imperial brown ale, and the hop they're using is warrior hops. Are you familiar with the use of warrior hops? Yeah, I'm familiar with a warrior hop. I haven't had it in a long time. I I couldn't give you any notes on what the profile of a warrior hop is, but it, it makes an appearance in beers here for sure. Do you know what it's used for? It's used for bittering. It is extremely clean when used in the boil. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why it's not as uh, not as familiar with it because pretty much all every beer that has a hop, uh, you know, put on the front of it is essentially just telling you what the you know what the flavoring or the double dry hop hops are at this point. It's just like oh yeah, citron mosaic or whatever you know. So so warrior extremely bitter, high alpha, high alpha but clean. Yep. 
I'll just run you through the details, not, not the descriptor. Um, I won't go through everything, but just some of the highlights. Style, Imperial Brown Ale, sounds delicious. Malt, pale, and a few chocolate malts. Hops, we went through the Warrior hop. But the additions are the really exciting part for me. Coconut and raspberry with lactose and spices. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah, that will probably maybe be a cinnamon, which I know is right up your alley. Oh yeah, no, I'm a, I, I anything coconut, I'm buying these days. Uh, yeah, uh, and and we can go into that, but I just got a huge amount of beer laid into my uh, garage uh, into by various shippers today uh in which i was bleaching i don't know i'm trying to think of how many how many bottles of beer i was spraying down today i probably ended up spraying down like 60 or 65 units uh, or something like that at this point today so that's crazy and i sound like a crazy person when i say that well take us through some of the highlights of those beers i know people will check out the instagram for the full um versions of those but uh, take us through we went we went through my tavor set uh a couple weeks ago but i did you know i got the blue raspberry beer that we just talked about i'm actually drinking i switched over by this point it's been a whole five or seven, ten minutes so i gotta get a new beer out i am drinking a fremont lush ipa uh, from fremont brewing in seattle it's a more because we were talking about traditional ipas i wanted one a uh, handful of different stout Definitely some stout with coconut. Uh, definitely some uh, Mickler San Diego stouts. Uh, Beer Geek brunch uh, or Beer Geek vanilla shake was in the mix there. Um, had a couple sours, some apricot meerts, which is like an apricot second runnings sour. Um, probably some uh, what, what else did I had? Oh, I had some Casey jam, uh, funky funky blender, raspberry and cherry in there. Um, and then, so I clean up all that divorce stuff, get it in the house and then couldn't have been more than 45 minutes later when my other favorite beer shipment from burial in North Carolina dropped. <laughs> so I got some stout that was, are you, do you guys have golden milk chai there? Tony, is that a thing that you guys are familiar with? We certainly have milk chai, but I'm not sure whether it's the same thing. What, what's the golden part? It's, of it's it? essentially like a chai, but with turmeric okay yes yeah we do have that um they made a stout with those flavors so it's like a turmeric coriander black pepper um i'm trying to remember the other stuff in there maybe like you know chai spices you know like cinnamon and stuff um warm spices like that you know stout and it sounds friggin' good to me uh so I'm, i got some of that a mixed culture beer some hazy ipa of course and the my my highlight, which is a five and a half percent coconut brown ale that I think I'm going to just be crushing for the next week or so. Nice. I am very excited. What's your thought? I was having this discussion with Aaron from the um, local bottle shop, and he's not a huge fan of the brown ale. What's your view on the brown ale? I'm a fan of it. I think the problem is a lot of people now come into the craft beer beer world and they gravitate straight to imperial russian stouts then to porters and then to brown ales and they're coming at that particular beer the wrong way thinking it should be an extension of a porter where it's really not in my view it's its own separate thing it's 
it's caramelly, it's chocolate, it's easier to drink. Even the imperial styles aren't really um, as as hard to consume as, say, a porter. Not hard to consume, but like a brown ale, even an imperial version is like super easy to drink and I can drink them really easily. What's your view on the value of a brown ale in today's beer climate? I think the mistake people make with brown ale and porter is the same. Um, maybe not with flavor. Porter is maybe a little different because I think people are – I think we're drinking flavored porters now. We're drinking higher alcohol porter, more chocolate heavy porter. But if you're drinking any beer that is between like five and 7%, you need to drink that beer like soon, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, I would not be, I mean, I think people treat brown ale like it will never go, you know, bad. Cause it's malty, right? Oh, it's not, you know, it's not like IPA. I don't need to drink this super fresh or anything like that. Oh no, it's a problem because that is not, there's not enough alcohol in there to preserve any hop flavor. And that hop flavor is important in a brown ale <laughs> and, a, and a porter that's like five to six to 7%. You know what I mean? There is, there is sweetness that's conferred from the hops that will die. Right. And it will go stale and it will make those beers just one note. You know what I mean? Very flat tasting. Um, and I, I think that's a big mistake that people make with brown ales. They don't, they don't drink it fresh. I mean, especially with brown ale, brown ale to me should have a clear hop flavor. Right. I mean, I think the same thing with, I've, I've talked about this on this podcast before. Guinness is a great example of this or Irish dry stout. If you drink that old, you know, for example, if it sat for a, on a boat, you know, and then sat in a distributor's fridge for six months, and then you drink a Guinness. Um, no wonder it tastes different than it does in Ireland, because in Ireland, it just got driven over to the friggin' bar. Yep. <laughs> you know, um, these beers need to be drink drank um, relatively s- soon, um, especially with that alcohol percentage. And I think brown ale has a problem in that. I don't think people take that seriously. And maybe, you know, it probably has a marketing issue too, in that it's, you know, it's like, it's like stout if it were worse, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I, I don't think that's, um, I don't think that's fair. Um, it's not sexy at this point, I don't think. Um, and it's going to be hard to sell it. I don't know. I, I think, um, I think it has a, uh, it has a certain charm of being sort of in the middle of, you know, your, your pale ale and your, uh, and your stout as something that's more drinkable, especially in the summer when you want something sort of a little sweeter, you know? Yeah, yep. It's, it's a perfect spring-autumn beer for me. Um, yeah. It's it's not something you want to drink that's super cold. Um, when it's super cold, because you do want to, at least to me, drink a brown ale more chilled than I would drink a porter or a stout. Not as cold as, as a, a pale or, or a pilsner, certainly not that cold. But they're, they're sort of... You can drink them outside. You can walk around your garden. Um, back in the day, you could you could take them to a park when that was a feasible thing for you, and enjoy one. And that's that's where brown <laughs> ale shine. A nice shot. Like yeah, I can't go outside. Everybody, just as a heads up. You know, I, I don't know if I have a lot of faith in the not to not to turn off my listeners. You know, so early on in the in the history of our podcast, but. I wonder if I have a ton of faith in sort of our, maybe it's less in the, the ability for new people to get interested in beer, but in sort of the people who are interested in beer and are rating it already on untapped. 
I just look at stuff and I'm like, you don't know what you're doing. You know, <laughs> getting on here talking about like, wow, this Czech Pilsner, it's super malty. I don't think I like it. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, like, <laughs> it's a Czech you know, fucking no, Pilsner. You, you it's just, not a German Pilsner. You just can't, you just can't taste hops unless they're in sitting in a glass of milk, essentially. You know what I mean? From, uh, in a hazy IPA, like they just have no comprehension of what multi or hoppy mean. Those are not flavors. They understand. They just know those are beer words. You know what I mean? Yep. And hoppy means, uh, heady topper or what no, actually It doesn't even mean that they probably wouldn't say hoppy means, um, I don't know, trillium IPA and multi means, uh, you know, trillium Pilsner. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it you know and uh i think brown ale is just gonna the problem with brown ale is it's not sexy it's not gonna get the the heat on it from that type of person and you know people are gonna drink it and they're gonna be like you malty but you know <laughs> but i'm excited for this one five and a half percent loaded up with with coconut i mean i i'm a coconut freak right now and um i'm horny for coconut it's true and I, I have a lot of coconut beers that showed up at my house the last week. It's wild. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to drink that. I got six cans of it. I'm going to be taking that, maybe taking that down, Tony. You, you touched on something um, in your little rant there. Do you, with, with this rating things, I always find that my ratings are higher. Does that mean I'm not rating beers correctly or, do other people not know what the fuck they're talking about? Because often when I check in a beer, I'll, I'll after I've checked it in, I'll scroll through and see what other people have scored it. And people are scoring beers that they th- say are delicious at three and a half. To me, yeah, three and a half thought, is I, not a bad beer, but you shouldn't call it delicious at three and a half stars. I quit that because I think beers are, I think most beers are criminally underrated. Um, and, and a lot of it comes from, my favorite, my probably my favorite or one of my, well, my two favorite breweries in Chicago that aren't making IPA, I guess. Um, cause I love half acre and I have had half acre even in this day. And, uh, they're my favorite, I think Chicago breweries cause they make everything good, but, um, metropolitan and off color, uh, Tony, you like metropolitan too. You're at least you had one beer from them, but, um, and you liked it, but, uh, Metropolitan and Off Color. Off Color makes essentially pretty much only farmhouse beer um, and a couple of lagers. And they sneak a stout or two in there too once in a while, but they make no IPA. They will never make an IPA. And I would say most of their beers, besides their most tart stuff, uh, is under four, maybe like three point between 3.4 and, and 3.6. You know what I mean? Stuck in that range. And then Metropolitan makes nothing but lager. Even their Kolsch is actually lagered. Um, every same thing with them. They uh, they're stuck in that same range, if if not lower than that. And I just think that's insane. Metropolitan probably makes the very best single beer in Chicago. They make a Zwickel beer. I love it. It's the best thing I've had ever made here in in this area. Um, cloudy, unfiltered lager. Uh, it's a five star beer. It's the definition of a five-star beer. It's perfect. Yep. It's flawless. <laughs> I mean, you take that to Germany and give it to a German and they'd say, this is better than what I'm doing. You know, I don't, it's, it's insane. Uh, off color, same. I mean, they're, they're making Creek. They're making, um, 
you know, all kinds of, you know, farmhousey type things that are all perfect. They're making Saison, they're making hoppy Saison, all that stuff's good. And I just rate those beers very high because I, I, all of a sudden I started realizing like I have to try to drive the ratings up on these beers. Really? Yep. So to me, if you're making a beer that just checks the boxes, like, Oh, I'm drinking like right now I'm drinking this Fremont lush IPA. It's good. It's very good. It's a clear IPA. It's a little tropical. Uh, it's much more bitter than almost anything going on in the market. Here, take a guess, Tony. We'll play this game right now. We love playing this game. People love when we do this. Tony, what do you think? So here's, I'll, I'll describe this beauty. I'll read the description to you. So Fremont is a, is a legacy. I don't know if you're familiar with Fremont from Seattle. Are you, they make B-bomb. They make like some no. other big barley wines and stuff. Okay. So they're a, kind of a longstanding brewer in Seattle, maybe 20, 25 years. Um, family owned. Oh, actually it's not that old. Okay. But I just, maybe I just made that up. Right. So they've been open for about 15 years now. They brew artisan beers, best local ingredients. This is a tropical treat to you, a gift from the Pacific Northwest. Lush is brewed with a hand-selected blend of malts and lush tropical hops reminiscent of lime, mango, and guava. Um, so this beer, I would describe it as trans- pretty much transparent. I can see my hand entirely through it. I can see the detail on my fingertips, for example. Um, it had a nice head on it. It tastes very much like a West coast, you know, dry IPA, not brute, but dry enough at 7%. Let's take a guess. What do you think this beer is rated? And I'm drinking it. So I sh- I'll have a better shot of getting it right. But so on untapped. Yep. A lush, IP- lush IPA. On untapped. From Fremont. And I would say if I had to guess what the hops were in this, I would say there's definitely some kind of citra dose in here. Um, let me look it up because I can actually check their website. Um, okay. While you're looking it up, I'm everything you said sounds delicious and you, you're talking about it like it's a really well-made beer. But This is a very, very finely made IPA. This one has citra mosaic and citra lupulin powder so there there is a cryo aspect to this yep okay so we're talking like this this is like a modern west coast did we want to call, I call it this that? modern west coast ipa is what i would call it yep okay so i've got a fair idea in my brain of what this beer is and what it tastes like to me it's probably a 4.75 just that i'm not i, I like sort of the sweeter new england stuff um Maybe it's a five if it's really well made. So I'm going to say, knowing the type of douchebag that rate this stuff, some are going to say it's too fruity. Some are going to say it's way too dry and not fruity enough. Uh, some are It's g- bitter on the back too. It's got a nice bitterness compared to... Oh, that's going to drive it down. Any, any I'm going to say it's 4.28 average score. Nope. It has 41,000 check-ins. So we'll say that, I mean, Fremont's a big brewery, so that's, that's part of it, but it, it has a 3.93, um, which is not a bad rating, frankly. Um, I've rated it a four and a half. I, I really enjoy this beer. Um, it, I think a four and a half to me means not only does it check the boxes, not only does it, you know, kind of exceed that in one particular way, but this is extremely drinkable and I would buy more of this 
right now if you came up to me and asked me if I wanted more of it because I wish I would have bought four cans of it because it was the cheapest thing I've ever seen on Tabor and that's why I bought it. But um, it's delicious and I don't think people, I mean, I can here, let's just, I mean, I'm just going to scroll. I, I did not prepare anything. I, I, I don't know if anyone can tell, but um, I'm just going to scroll through some of my favorite, uh, my favorite reviews of this. I bet I can find a couple right off the bat that make me mad. 3.75, bright, hoppy, citrusy, a little tropical, 3.75. That doesn't make any sense. Okay. Yeah, the, um, these these reviews make me mad that they give that descriptor. Okay, I'm seeing you've, you've described what's in it and how it tastes. And if you've given me a reason to knock any points <laughs> off wish it. I could get this all the time for. What? <laughs> so what's a five? <laughs> what's a five? What's a 4.5? Very standard IPA, 3.75. So one guy said very standard IPA, 3.75. And one guy said, I love this or whatever. Um, here, Oh, here's my favorite. Sad <laughs> face, very sad. This isn't good. Awful aftertaste. Taste no guava or lime. He thinks there's guava and lime in it. Blazer <laughs> M, tell me your fucking address. I'm coming to your house. Okay, so I'm done getting mad about that. But it does have 80 IBUs. I could have told you that. So that's probably one of its issues. Um, oh, delicious. Because if it has any more than 20 IBUs, people don't like IPA, the uh, IPA anymore, pretty much. Okay. Did I think what I've come to realize is that ratings are personal. And I think um, they, that's why... Um, modern criticism doesn't offer a great deal of value. What? How does your rating scale break down? I'll briefly go through mine, and I haven't even thought about this, but I, I'll um, I'll sort of take you through it and and how I go about giving a beer a score, an honest score, um, four and a half and above. That's a beer that I will more than likely, if I see it again, I will purchase it straight away. Mm-hmm. Four, pushing up to four point five, that that is a. I will think about repurchasing, and it is delicious. It hits everything that I thought it should. Maybe the sum of its parts don't um, make it make it better than what it is. Two plus two equals four in this case to get a four star rating. A good example of that is Sailor's Grave Lemon Meringue Pie. It's not an imperial gloop beer it's a lemon Mm -hmm. sour and it's delicious but it's also relatively cheap i can get a four pack for 18 bucks four stars for that beer it's an amazing beer i buy it when i see it it's really nice and it's not a five star beer four star beer i buy it all the time and i stand by that rating now we start getting into the threes three to four you're getting beers that are well made, but just don't don't suit me. They they they're beers that I would um, not not for me. Yeah. yeah, not for me. Wouldn't go out and buy them. Anything under three, you're getting into serious flaws. Either just poorly thought out beers, sweet bombs, <laughs> bitter bombs, or or, or out and out faults. And to yeah, get a one, up. that's me. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. And for for stuff that that falls under that in your ones and twos serious flaws and a one star is it's been poured down the drain because it's yeah. atrocious why, why does it taste like potatoes or yeah in in my case yeah you know, cinnamon altoids 
I often see people um, with beer ratings and their ratings are skewed all over the scale. So my rating scale tends to be really heavy in um, 3.75 all the way through to fives. And I'm, I used to feel bad about that thinking, oh, I'm overrating beers. What are people going to think of me? They think I love everything. But I'm happy with my own personal scale these days. And I can justify the scores that I give and um, that's all that really matters. What about you? How do you go about rating beers? Is it something similar? I don't take it as – I probably don't take it very seriously because um, I think I think people who take it seriously and people who don't take it seriously end up with the same level of accuracy, I guess, would be what I'm saying. I, I want to make it clear that I hadn't sort of thought about this until – I was oh, looking. No, I don't, I'm not saying you're, you're taking it yeah. even more seriously. I, mean, I don't think you are. I think you're, you're about the same level as me. Okay. But I will say that as somebody who's been part of the beer universe for, and one of the early untapped adopters, I mean, for those of you who follow me on untapped, you will see the problems I have in my life. Uh, I have checked in a lot of beers, uh, <laughs> thousands and thousands of beers. Um, crazy amount but i've been on tap since like almost 10 years now i mean that's insane but um as even as an early adopter like i just don't you know i think early on maybe i did take it more seriously and try to rate stuff more like thoughtfully um i am thoughtful in the sense that i have a plan for what i'm trying to do um but how accurate am i i mean after three or four beers i'm probably just like you know or five you know who cares um to me four is the baseline four is you have made a beer that literally just checks all the boxes of accuracy and expectation i'm looking at the beer i'm drinking it and i'm saying oh yeah that's right you know that's that's pretty much right. What I should have expected. I think that's what it should be. Uh, it's fine. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting everything out of that, that I w- would think I should get out of it. And, you know, maybe I'll buy it again. I don't know. You know, we'll see, <laughs> you know, sort of, I'm sort of nonplussed, but also I appreciate that it was done right. You know, you know, uh, 4.25, you know, maybe there's one other s- enjoyable factor about it that I'm just saying like, oh yeah, you know, I'll get that next time I come in on tap, you know, maybe I won't buy a six pack of it, but I, you know, it's yeah. drinkable. I would have that again, you know, um, when you get into four and a half now, we're, now we're saying like, give me some more of that. You know, I like that. That's doing something really well. You know, lush, I think fits into that. This is a four and a half beer to me. Tastes great. You mean this beer is almost a month old and it tastes fresh as fresh as all get out still, you know, um, I appreciate that. Honestly, you know, <laughs> hard to get that anymore. Um, so very tasty, nice, you know, balance of sweet and bitter starts sweet ends very bitter. Love that. You know, a lot of, a lot of like developed components to this beer that gets it a four and a half. Uh, 4.75 to five. Now you're just like, now you're kind of walking into I love this, you know, more please. How do I get more of this? Who am I calling to get more of this? Um, I mean, hell, uh, my favorite beer of all time, which I would give 10 stars if I could, because it doesn't deserve to be rated on the other five stars, is the beer I was just talking about, the Zwickel. And, I mean, I had a party for our 10th anniversary just so I could order the, a keg of that. Also, it was my 10th anniversary, but... 
the first thing I was asking the bar where we had it, I was just like, how do I get heliostat? How do I get a whole keg of it? Can you guys get that for me? When is it getting here? You know, like I'm just, that's all I was thinking about. Like get it here now. Um, and we did get it and it was great. If we go to the low end of the scale, honestly, you know, under four, it means something was messed up or it didn't do what I thought, um, or it wasn't what I thought, or it was, you know, I think the stuff I most often rate under four is stout that I think was fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, interesting. You know, if you are making a 12% stout that has some spice in it and it doesn't taste like it, I'm like, well, why, what was the point, you know, or it was messed up. Um, and honestly, I don't really rate stuff below that. If it's, if it's below a three, I'm just not rating it because sometimes maybe it's, friends or sometimes it's brewers that I appreciate and I like, but they just didn't make some, they, they made something that I don't care for. Um, or I don't, um, rate or I don't find well-made. And I just don't think untapped is the right place to just dump your anger. It's just like Yelp to me, you know, it, to me, that's just like, well, you know, I didn't like this. That's fine. I'm just going to not rate it. You know what I mean? Uh, and you can find that out. If you look at the beers I haven't rated, you'll probably find out beers I don't really like, you know, <laughs> go look at those. Um, so if anyone really needs to know that they can, but I don't know what the payoff for me going to like, you know, my local breweries Pilsner that I maybe didn't like or something is being like, wow, too malty 1.25, you know, what's that for, you know, <laughs> who's that, who's that helping you? Know what I mean, like, cause, cause the, you're right. The, it's so subjective and 50,000 people are going to drink that beer and they don't care. You know, they're just, they're fine with it. And if it didn't resonate with me, you know, it, this isn't like going to a bad Burger King or something and rating it bad on Google reviews or something. This is, this is even more, I think this is more subjective than that, I guess. I think you're right there, and and perhaps we should treat it like our favourite movies, like my two favourite movies of all time. One of them, I think, is rated highly. The other, I don't think, is is particularly well thought of. A um, little Nicky. <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> I'm talking about Blues Brothers, which I think is is fairly well well lauded. Um, yeah, but it's a very well reviewed movie. Yeah. Yep, and the other one is Smoking the Bandit. I love that movie. Uh, it's Burt Reynolds at his peak, Sally Fields at yeah, his peak. Is that not reviewed? Well, I mean, people like Smokey and the Band, okay. right? I mean, I don't know. But that to me is a perfect movie. That is a five star movie in my opinion. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. But, sure. <laughs> but like Untapped with, with some of the Chicago beers you're talking about, do I think it deserves to get a one star review by people? No. Do I expect five star reviews from everybody? No. Um, but do I think it's undervalued? Sure. But at the end of the day, will it stop me watching it if people think it's a three-and-a-half-star movie? No, I'm still going to enjoy the heck out of it. And I think it's yeah. the same with beer. I've, I've come to realise it. And getting back into Untapped, I, it took me a couple of days to get my head around it, and I'm looking at beers that I really love. I was looking at Four Pines Kolsch, and it has an average rating of 3.48, and that's with... Yeah. with with ten and a half thousand check-ins, that's a delicious beer. That's that's a, a four point two five to to four point five beer, but that's a buy every time beer. It's it's a 
crankshaft, I mean, you're going to lose your shit if I tell you what crankshaft's rating is, I think. 3.48 for crankshaft. <laughs> What's flywheel? Flywheel's 3.41. Metropolitan's German Pilsner. 3.41. I mean, give me a goddamn break, you know? Like, Miller High Life, I think, is like 3.12. Are we saying that? Okay, so maybe Miller High Life isn't that high, but... Well, now I'm now I'm caught up in the ratings of the macro beers. <laughs> Miller 64 has a 1.9. Damn, sorry about you, Miller 64. Milwaukee's best light has a 1.77. It's a whole half point worse than old English 800, Tony. What? That's funny. Okay. I'm just sort of on the first page of because I'm on the website version of Untapped um, of of the four point four. Pines review of their Kolsch um, and I'm halfway down the page and, and JKS says wood spelt W-O-O-D wood 100% buy again three and a half stars <laughs> three and a half stars that's a 4.5 beer heading towards five very depressing and he, here's one that gets me from Amy C and she, of course, has the um, the filters on her face. She's some kind of animal with glasses. Um, not bad for a draft. What the fuck does that mean? Not bad for a draft. She doesn't like draft beer, which is, I think, a weird thing to have a problem with. Most okay. people like draft beer. Do you guys like? Is draft beer have a stigma there in Australia or something? Or the the Four Pines have obviously renamed their Kolsch. It was apparently too confusing for people and they've just named it Draft and then underneath it they've now got Kolsch. Um, so um, it's gone through a renaming. Draft over here is is basically a, a name for our, our big macros, VB, Melbourne, uh, They're all draft okay. beer and it's on yeah. draft tap. But, yeah, she says not bad for a draft, thinking, oh, she's bought it on tap. No, I scroll down a bit further. It's the bottle. So... Like, this is somebody that doesn't know what the hell she's drinking. Like, even though it's got the yeah. dra- draft name, it clearly says Kolsch. It clearly hits what a Kolsch should be. You don't get much out of it. Bit of tiny bit of lemon and lime, but not like a lemon and lime, like, fruit salad. Yeah, don't, don't say that because somebody would be like, I'm not getting any of the lemons. Yeah. How much lemon do they put in this? You know? I love that. And it's just... Um, where's, the, where's the guava in this IPA? What the hell? <laughs> Their descriptor, light straw in colour, bang on. Aromas of lemon and lime prelude a light multi-palate finishing. Crisp and clean, showing hints of spice and citrus. Exactly what a cold should be, but we're not drinking Pledge. This is not um, a hazy lime bomb IPA. It's not key lime pie. It's a delicious cult. Damn, I did drink some key lime pie beer a couple of weeks ago, though. But Nothing wrong with too. it. Sounds delicious, especially if it gets the crust part of it right, along with that really, like, zingy lime part. West, Westbrook nails that, man. They get that graham crackery taste in there. It's it's something. So what's that one rated on Untapped? You have it at your... Fingertips, oh, you know sure, I can pull that up. Yeah. Exactly what the beer uh, key is. lime pie is rated high. I would, I would guess it's really good. Uh, so that lime pie, Westbrook. I'm guessing that'd be a five for you. 
That's a four. That's like a four point seven. Oh, I did. The, I did five star that. You're right. Yeah. Um, I loved it. It is uh, four point two three from everyone else. That's not bad. Uh, it's delicious. And actually, we've had some friends, some friends of ours, uh, mutual friends of ours who listen to this podca- podcast, have uh, also rated it. I'm not going to read their review out loud, but they didn't rate it as high as I did. We'll just say. Fair enough. There. Kelly gave it a five star, though. Kelly, Kelly five starred that. She loved that shit. Of course, she, she did was. That. She was pounding away at that thing. Yeah, five star in that thing. Uh, <laughs> big fan. Yeah, that was good beer. Westbrook. Westbrook's doing some good stuff, and I got some Westbrook in that shipment too. If you guys check the Instagram, and I got some Mexican cake, which is going to be awesome. Um, they have like a. It's like a spiced uh, cake stout. See, we were just talking about how we all like Kolsch and IPA, and I'm like, ooh, what if I had cake stout, though? That sounds good. Uh, and I'm going to drink some. I had um, some um, stout in in the order um, this week that I um, posted on Instagram, and it, it went by – it had cake in its name. It's by Moondog Brewing, and it's called Cake Hole. And I saw this, yeah. Um, I like it. Don't get me wrong; it's a nice Black Forest stout. Um, I, I, I think I might have rated it a four or a four point two five. Sure. Yeah, I'm not on the first page, so and I'm not logged in. And it, it's a good beer. Don't get me wrong, but compared to some of the other cake-inspired beers that I've I've had in Australia recently, I was I was kind of disappointed by it in relation to these other beers but boy is that a style that i love i love um chocolate i love cherries fruit bit of i think there's a bit of coconut in this um yeah i have a bunch of coconut going on in my life right now so i'll be i'll be reporting back on the coconut craze next week i think we'll just (laughs) we'll just recite i'll just go through all the coconut things i consumed over the last week uh, on next week's podcast, it'll be wild. Um, Tony, I think we should. I think we should wrap this bad boy up. I can. Um, I think we have. We have taught that, and this instructional uh, uh, audio uh, recording on how you can record your own podcast. Uh, all you have to do is open up Untapped and just start reading other people's crap, <laughs> and you can have your own podcast if you want. You don't even need to listen to ours. You can do this and just hit record. Um, now I can't do that. Tony does that part and I'm too stupid to handle that. But, uh, we, I think we just gave away the secret, Tony. Uh, it's easy. Talk about stuff that happened to you. And if nothing happened to you, like you and I, we could just shrug at each other. And say, what happened on untapped anyways, you know, it's cool. See, I thought the secret was you, you visualize something, you put it on a dream board, you watched a DVD and then it came true. But yeah, I think that's called what I do for my job, and we're not going to say what I do for my job, but I do think there is there are things like dream boards involved with my job, so <laughs> <laughs> we're going to skip that. Um, so if you want to see what I'm doing in my garage, you can follow us on Instagram at Beer Engine Pod, and you can see that I'm spraying beach bleach solution onto. Uh, lots of bottles and cans of beer. And you can see that Tony is drinking various cakes in liquid form. Um, so check us out there. You can email us, uh, beerengineshow 
at gmail.com. I'm sorry that they're different. I apologize. I don't know why we did that, but hey, too late now. I refuse to change it, and I would have to kind of get sweaty and like start getting winded trying to type all those different words into Google or whatever. Um, Tony, I think that's all the ways you can access us. Is that? Did I forget something? Is that it? Uh, did you say our email? Oh, yeah, our email. Yep. Uh, it's still Beer Engine Show, just like it was a few seconds ago. Oh, and you can follow us on Untapped. Um, that's the thing you should do. You can follow us on Untapped. I'm Griff AD, Griff with two Fs. Who would spell it with one F? Only a freak. Uh, Tony is St. Moz, M O Z at the end there. And uh, you can see the stuff we're drinking. Uh, I think I'm drinking more than Tony, but hey, we're, I'm healthy compared to Tony, right? Or whatever. Um, Tony, any parting words for our audience? No, I've got nothing this week. I'm kind of, I've just been enjoying a no sugar Coke, not to be confused with Diet Coke. Diet Coke is terrible, but you've got to make sacrifices these days with the diabetes and all. Uh, you'll be happy to know I drank it correctly, though. I used two hands, Donald Trump style. So it was not spilled all over my laptop. I leaned your head very closely to it, of course. Yeah. Uh, well, Tony, I think next week, um, let's, let's, you know, I know this is all part of this long outro, but let's say, uh, let's try to do, uh, we, we, Tony, you came up with a segment called our ultimate six pack um, where we'll start building over the course of a few episodes, maybe. A six-pack, I think we should do it, a six-pack you would send with a friend uh, to teach them uh, about maybe about your favorite beers. How about that? That you would have your friend drink. Sounds good. Um, to learn something about your your favorite beers, uh, maybe from your place, right? So if you were, you know, Tony, you're putting together an Australian six-pack, I'll put together Ooh, one like of American beers, uh, maybe even Chicago-ish beers. Um and we can, uh, and that that'll be our part of our new ultimate six pack series, which maybe I'll come up with a better name for. Maybe, um, but that's a name that you could use for now. So we'll start that uh, next week. So get excited, and also get excited for me to talk about coconut stuff. Uh, all right, later.